Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired by, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with musician and composer Andy Bean about his work on the Netflix animated series, Kid Cosmic. Listen up, all you kids with nothing to do here's a brand new thing that I want to tell you all about. If you're out and you want to get down, hold your arms horizontal, shake your elbows around. Netflix's Kid Cosmic, from Craig McCracken, creator of the Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, follows the adventures of an imaginative and enthusiastic boy who lives with his free-spirited grandpa in a sparsely populated desert town. The kid's dream of being a hero seemed to come true when he discovers five cosmic stones of power in a wrecked spaceship. He forms a team of local heroes to stop an onslaught of alien attacks to steal back the stones. Though the kid and his team are the good guys, they're really bad at it, and the kid learns that his fantasy of being a hero is very different from the reality of what it actually means to become one. A major part of the world of Kid Cosmic is the music. Composer Andy Bean not only did the score for the Netflix series, but also created a series of bands from whose dusty 45s we hear their music, such as the psychedelic garage of Dr. Fang and the gang, Cepha Pond and the Muzzy Hillboys Rockabilly, or the joyous R&B of the Soul Contributions. I love, love, love this show and the soundtrack, so it was a real treat to nerd out about all of this and even a little bit of DuckTales in this conversation with Andy Bean. so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me about uh, Kid Cosmic in particular, but as well as all of your other soundtrack stuff that you've been doing lately. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, So uh, right off the top, like, I am absolutely amazed at the amount of music that you recorded for Kid Cosmic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so when I look back on it, so am I. <laughs> um if 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 I'm correct uh the things I've read said that you worked on this for like 5 years before the show actually came out. Yeah, more or less off off and on. Um so I did a show with Craig McCracken the the showrunner of the show called Wander Over Yonder at Disney and when that was wrapping up um he sort of launched me on this idea. Um 
and it was in development somewhere and then they passed on and it went somewhere else. And so while it sort of wound its way through there, um, well, we had had music for a pilot. Um, whenever I had free time, I was just sending Craig additional ideas um, for different characters, for different scenes. Um, and yeah, and that sort of just kind of randomly sending music um, and sort of seeing what stuck. That was a good that was a good two, three years. And then then once we started writing to picture, I think that was in like 2019, like when they actually had animation. So that then there was another year of all the scoring and stuff that goes with that. I now, how did you come to work with Craig McCracken? Like, I mean, I he he is at this point been making shows for so long that he has like multiple generations of kids. Like, I grew up, you know, like on Powerpuff Girls, and then like my kids got into Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, and now like I am desperately trying to get like my my niece's kids into Kid Cosmic, so yeah. it's just like it's just more and more. But like, um, I I I, I know it had something to do with your work in uh, Two Man Gentleman Band, but like, how did how did this I mean, partnership it was like, come about it was an, a, an absurdly lucky break um which was i was just traveling around with this best described as kind of a hot jazz novelty duo with my buddy um and we were just kind of full-time road dogging it you know we'd do like 200 some odd dates a year just driving around in a minivan um and playing for you know at best 100 people a night <laughs> but realistically you know like or like 50 60 but you know as a duo you can make that work um yeah, there weren't that many of us so you know just by being around for you know five six years and just constantly putting stuff putting records out and just constantly being present we got on the radar of somebody um a, a buddy of mine jay buddy now um at disney television animation um and he had a really interesting approach um, to getting music for the shows they did there, which was like, hey, let's cast a wide net and not just go through our Rolodex of established composers. Um, and I think the thinking there was that, uh, you know, you find new voices. Uh, so we basically just got an email out of the blue, say, hey, Craig McCracken, you probably know him from Powerpuff Girls and Fosters. He's got a new show and they're going for kind of like a uh, fast paced banjo sci-fi vibe. Um, and I knew how to play the banjo fast, um, <laughs> and, and write songs. Um, so I, I, it's so funny. We didn't recognize sort of the gravity of the situation and what you usually do in that, but I just wrote a tune. Um, and, uh, we sang it into an iPhone. We were on tour, sent it in, uh, and they liked that, asked us to do another one. We made a more fleshed out demo of one. And then they chose that to be the theme song for the show. Um, <laughs> and, and so, and that's, I thought that was going to be the end of it. Um, you know, they would just have a theme song on a show and just keep traveling around. But then they asked me, uh, would you like to try composing for the show? Um, and I said, sure, I'd love to just, just had a kid, you know, wanted to figure out how to make music without driving five hours a day. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so I got myself a computer that could handle, you know, some of this software and stuff and basically just locked myself in a room and tried to figure out how to write music for the show. Um, you know, half of it was like in my wheelhouse. It was fast, wacky banjo stuff. That was fine. And then if you wander over yonder, like pretty soon into it gets pretty cinematic um, and and travels around to different worlds, all of which had a different sonic palette. Um, so it was essentially trial by fire where I like just learned on the job and 
tried to figure out how to score to cartoons. And really, I mean, there's no better way to learn than being like, here, here, here's this gig, um, <laughs> fig, figure it out, you know, or else, you know? So, so that was great. And that show went well. And, uh, Craig and I, you know, developed really nice rapport and we, we seem to be on the same page musically about what's, what we like and what fits, uh, for his shows. And so, um, you know, once, you know, once that got established, then, uh, he, he asked me when he started developing this new thing. So, but that was a long story saying that, like, I was just in a band driving around and just like got on one person's <laughs> radar and just a total lucky break. Cause I talked to my wife about it and she's like, well, you know, I'm sure when, when that was sort of being figured out, she was like, well, I'm sure if this doesn't work out, you'll get other requests to do similar things later on. And the answer to that is no, that's never happened. <laughs> Nobody ever has reached out and asked. So it was like this one time thing. Um, and then, and then of course, then you're on people's radar and get invited to audition for other things. Well, What's it sort of like doing music for children's animation? Like you, you mentioned the fact that like you just had a kid and like now you, you have three. Um, yes. So it, it, it seems as though like, um, does that help you be tied in to like what you think kids might like? Not really. I mean, you know, what's interesting about, you know, certainly on wander over yonder with Craig and definitely on, on kid cosmic. It's like the idea that the intended audience for this is kids almost actually not almost has never been a part of the, the thing, you know what I mean? It's like, um, just making music for the story. Um, and, and for the, you know, and this, for the kid cosmic making music for this fictional band, uh, that he's a huge fan of. Um, so there's never any like, Hey, roll that back. I mean, the music gets pretty intense in this show, both the rock and the, you know, sort of or- orchestral drama stuff. And no one's ever said like, Hey, skew that more towards kids. I mean, it's the story and the characters that are 100% the consideration. Um, and that's because this is sort of skewed for that, for older kids, you know, I think like, mm-hmm. you know, eight to 12 or 13 or whatever is the target. Um, I mean, I do a couple preschool shows for Disney, uh, and there's definitely more of like, hey, this gets a little scary here. Dial that <laughs> back, and or, or like I, I think I used, you know, or or di- dial back the five dollar words in the lyrics, you know, to make it e- easier to understand. But but beyond that, I mean, it's it's really nice, and it's actually um, uh, it's it's sort of the opposite of what one might assume going in is that you always have kids in mind while you're doing it. And no, it's it's story and, and character driven, and really on. From my perspective, I'm just trying to write something that Craig and the directors like. And if they like it, then we're good, you know? Well, and, and for Kid Cosmic, like, you get to be a garage band from the 60s. You get to be Dr. Fang and the gang. And uh, what I love about that music is that it sounds very, you know, like bubblegum garage and, like, there's there's all of these sort of like added effects like when a lot of those songs play out like at the end of every episode where they sound like it's coming through a crackly old record um like where do you how do you get yourself in 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 that headspace like was there like a lot of research and like immersing yourself in that sort of garage rock world i mean i hear like some elements of like that garage rock revival from the like 
around 2009, 2010. Yeah, those, you've, you've got good ears. Uh, cause that was like, uh, that was one of the key touchstones. It was like, a you know, like the OCs and Ty Siegel, um, and like, a King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard, you know, like sort of more contemporary takes on Garage Rock was like half of the the guidance. And then the other half, um, you know, that I that I dug into was like, you know, just the old Nuggets collections and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so. So, yeah. And there's there's not there's not a huge difference between those two things we just mentioned. You know, it's really just different time periods and the sounds of the recordings. Um, and then the other element you also caught up on it, too, is like um and so I think somebody posted this recently where it was like the Dr. Fang music sounds like a mix between the OCs and the banana splits, <laughs> you know, the old, which is, which is exactly that was also a reference. Like it was exactly what we were going for. Like kind of like hard driving garage rock, but also with a lot of la la's and babas and, and catchy, catchy bubble gum, bubble gum stuff. But to, to answer your question, it's like, that's my musical tastes have always skewed uh, a, a little older. Um, so it was like, it was not, not listening to nuggets for the first time to go back and, and listen to all that stuff, you know, and I, I played in some garage rock, uh, bands like that back in New York when I lived there. Um, you know, and that was like the other half of my musical life in addition to like the hot jazz stuff. And there were often, um, this is slightly embarrassing in retrospect, but there, I remember there being times where I'd have two shows in a night and the first show would be, you know, kind of in like old timey suits, um, you know, playing wacky banjo music. And then I'd go right to another, uh, kind of garage rock show and sometimes I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to change you know so so I just do that you know kind of as a as a as a joke in in the suit um so so yeah so but I, to answer the question I was familiar with that with that stuff so it was really just a question of um the, the hard part is just kind of getting the sound right you know and translating like what sounds like a great guitar sound in your in in the amp into a making it sound good as a recording the 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 final song that's on the the released soundtrack is that party back at my house by the soul contributions and like that song is so different like i mean it is of that same sort of era but i mean it is so different from like the 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 rockabilly or the sort of like hippie rock like it it's like hearing it alone i was just like this this sounds like something you'd find on like a numero group compilation like oh thanks that's 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 high praise i appreciate that um i and and i i i'm like it just seemed like because there's so much garage rock there's so much like rock and roll like hearing just like a full like 60s soul number like was that something that was requested or was that just something that just came out in, in in the work yeah you know that was um that was uh you know, there was uh, there were some references in in the temp score because that was this favorite song of Flo, um, the the diner owner, um, and so she, it's it's in the in the show it's playing on a jukebox and everyone's kind of dancing to it. Uh, so I just sort of took the, the the tempo of the temp, but yeah, that would that one definitely uh, took a little more research and and work, um, and also you know the the big thing there, you know, a lot of the garage rock besides the drums, it's is it is it's me. You know, it's me playing guitars, me playing keyboards, me playing bass um, and and singing. Um, and, you know, one of the big things about that Party Back at My House song is that, like, you know, I wrote it, arranged it and then just like got some great players and great <laughs> and great singers on it, which which did did a lot of a lot of the work. You know, it's like my 
my buddy Alan Hampton played bass on it and um and he's he's like a, a great great musician he plays with Andrew Bird and a bunch of other people and he just he just took it to Soul Town you know no no trouble and then got some real horn players on it uh, who also made little tweaks to the to the arrangement that I made that made it sound like a real thing um, so I'm glad that came across. <laughs> well, I mean, you've done uh, like the vast majority of of your work has been with Disney, um, like Muppet Babies, like those shorts um, are sort of noted for the fact that there's like a song or two in like every single one of those episodes. Like and, you know, Puppy Dog Palace has a, has a lot of music as well. Like how like like especially with muppet babies like how are you coming up with like sea shanties and like disco songs and all of that sort of thing yeah yeah it's definitely um the the volume the volume of it is is a challenge because yeah like between um you know puppy dog pals has two songs every episode muppet babies has one to two and those have been going sort of simultaneously for the last four or five years um so yeah you know a, a lot of it um you know, a lot of that is story driven, you know what I mean? It's like, and so you sort of dive into a particular genre for a particular story moment, um, and, uh, and go, you know, and so what, what I've been finding, you know, with these shows is like, you know, writing that first sea shanty, um, is, is a challenge, but it's like, you know, it's, it's graspable. Um, you know, you do a little research and write something and, you know, get some players or something to make it sound more authentic. The challenge comes is when you're like in the fourth season and you're writing your fourth sea shanty, you know, for a different <laughs> thing. Cause they're reusing the background and trying to do, do it in such a way that's not, um, you know, not just totally repeating yourself. Um, I've, I definitely run into this with, you know, all these shows usually have a Christmas or a holiday episode every season. So like by this time I've written like, you know, like a dozen, uh, you know, like Christmas songs for kids TV. Um, and like, it's, it's very difficult for them not to sound exactly the same. Um, so that's, that's sort of been the challenge for me. Like a, like a one-off in a style you don't know is, is, um, is graspable, you know, when you have to do it a bunch of times, um, that gets a little trickier. Okay. So I have to ask about this because uh, I did not know it until earlier today when I was digging through your IMDb page. You uh, wrote <laughs> you wrote the songs for uh, uh, the Ducktales episode "Sky Pirates in the Sky." Yeah. Um. Uh. The the you know the the Sky Pirates song and dance uh, performed by Don Carnage and his his crew. Uh, that's amazing because, uh, I, 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 I love that show. Uh, that episode is hilarious. Um, did, did that sort of just come out of your other work? Cause it's very interesting that it just kind of like sneaks in there that you have one, you have a couple yeah. songs in one episode of DuckTales. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it was, it was again, a lucky, lucky break where, um, you know, uh, Frank Angonis, who is, you know, the, one of the producers on that show and the head writer, um, he used to work on wander over yonder. And I think they had a composer lined up for that show who was going to do the score. And then that ended up not working out. And so they were composer list, but they needed this song. Um, so Frank was like, Hey, I know Andy, he's, uh, he's around, he can write something. And so I was like, of course I'll drop everything and write a, write a song for ducktales. Um, and you know, I, I'm pretty shameless too about like uh, making it 
one even though i've wrote one song for that and hundreds for others you know pretty shameless about making it as one of the featured things on my imdb page <laughs> like that was very intentional um and uh and uh but and when i when i do ever you know occasionally i'll bump into uh dom lewis who's the actual composer for the show and i'll um i like to annoy him by making it seem like on the internet that i'm like one half of the ducktales music team even <laughs> even even though um even though he's done like 100 episodes and i did one song but uh i definitely stick to stick to my guns on that i was like hey look on the computer it says that uh it says that i wrote the music so, <laughs> yeah. but yeah but that, that that was great and um you know because that was definitely uh i was of the age where i would watch the disney afternoon and and knew i'd seen every ducktales episode even though i couldn't exactly recall what the show was about when <laughs> i did it you know what i mean i remember they'd go on adventures i remember scrooge wanted to be the richest duck but that's sort of all I all I remembered, uh, but Frank got me up to speed, and it was it was a treat. So um, you've gotten to do uh, music for for shows from your youth uh, twice, like with Muppet Babies and Ducktales, and yeah. uh, now you're doing uh, you know music for for songs that are for for your kids' generation, like for for shows like uh, Puppy Dog Pals. Um, like what's 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 next for you um you, you know i mean i'm um because the way i lucked into this and like never had any specific ambitions um to to write songs and score for cartoons like i'm just enjoying the ride i mean like i i stumbled into you know what is a job i love and feels like a perfect fit for me um and really i'm just like it's it's an exciting time um, in cartoons too, where it's just like with the streaming services, there's a lot of stuff being made. Um, and there's like a lot of room for, for different, different voices, um, in scores and, and songwriting, you know, stylistically, where it's just like, I think there was, you know, when there were fewer options, there was more of the default, you know, like full orchestral stuff, um, as the default palette for things, uh, which is, is great and suits so many shows perfectly, but it's, it's, I think it's really interesting that there's, there's, there's so much openness to, um, to new ideas and people who haven't necessarily done it before, uh, to, to have different styles in, in shows, you know, like when my kids are flipping through and I hear stuff, it's like, there's a, there's a lot of really, really interesting <laughs> stuff out, out there and a lot of really interesting, um, uh, scoring and, and songwriting. So to, to, to answer your question, like oh, what's next for me is I I don't know all, all I know is all this stuff I'm working on ends in a year and hopefully there'll be uh, there'll be more after this. <laughs> <laughs> Given that like you've done uh, like a lot of song stuff, like uh, and, and that was kind of the 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 start of this was you know the the theme song from Wander Over Yonder. Like how have you adapted to doing scoring after you know? years and years of songs yeah i mean it's definitely uh you know um it's still learning on the job every every single day um you know i've, I've like figured out some things things that work um but you know it's like i i have i have you know assistants and guys who help me and stuff and they're almost always uh have formal music educations and like orchestral educations and it's like i'm baffled like every day it's, like, <laughs> it's very humbling about what i what i don't know um so so yeah it's still just like you know learning every day and, and studying you know reference reference music um you know like uh a, a lot of directors on shows will 
you know, will temp in a score. Oh yes. Um, and I, and I think, I think some people f- find that frustrating or, or, or hamstringing, um, you know, where I am, like, I, I often find that like a great, a great and inspirational guide, you know, it's like, it's like a nice study piece that's guided towards that scene. And then you sort of, you know, break that down and figure out what's going on there. And then, then you can run with it, um, in your own way. But like, that's like on wander over yonder, one of the directors, uh, or both of the directors like were, were very um, did pretty intricate temps, you know, because like there's so many stages of animation before it gets to the composer. Like I'm last on the list. You know what I mean? Like and the show's been <laughs> be, it was it was written and then boarded and then animated with a temp score. So it's like to get it through all those hurdles, you know, um, they usually refined that temp score pretty well. So it's like hitting a lot of the moments and moods that they want. Um, so it's like I've, I that was like going to to composing school is to like sit with these guys who have been pros for a long time and, and see how they scored it with existing music and use that as a guide for how, how I did it. That's, that's so fascinating. I, I, I think like so many composers I, I've talked to over the years talk sort of about the, the terror of the temp track where directors get very, very um, married to certain uh, temporary things. And in some cases it's temporary tracks from projects that they composed 20 years prior yeah yeah and, and, and you know it's what's I, I i got to benefit from it um in such a way on this one where for kid cosmic because like we were talking about before for years i was just just making music and sending it to craig and i would say like 90 percent of the music that i sent to him in some form made it into uh the show and a lot of it was like they cut that first season you know edited it and boarded it to music they had in my library um so it was it was it was it was kind of fun to see like oh the temp was mine you know what I mean like they <laughs> they they built it around my music and then I would just tweak it a little bit but kept it as as my thing so that was um that was that was a nice uh, labor saver you know at that point I was like oh the the four years I was just doing uh you know before anybody was getting paid for this oh it's nice it pays off I, I have an easy week because this has already been scored with my music <laughs> um well. Andy, I just want to thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. Uh, I like big fan of Kid Cosmic and Wander Over Yonder, and it, it, it's been a real treat. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, and, and really, it's it's so nice to talk to someone who's you know gone through and is familiar familiar with the work. It's so you can really dig into the nuts and bolts of it. So <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Have a good rest of your day, sir. You too. All the best. Bye bye. Yo ho yo 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 yo ho To be faint-hearted, we rule these skies uncharted. Cruel and vicious hearties, we who sail upon the skies and not the sea. Tis I who lead this fearsome crew with dagger, swagger, daring do, handsome and fearsome and suave. He's the famous pirate captain, Don Carnage. Hoist the flag and wave the anchor, circle the ship and pull the flanker. It's true, I live to plunder. High up in the sky amidst a sea of storm and thunder.
Thanks to Andy Bean for speaking with me. You can find the musician's work on Twitter at Andy Bean Music, and his website is andybeanmusic.com. The soundtrack is out now digitally and can be found on Spotify, Amazon Music, Tidal, and Deezer, and Kid Cosmic can be viewed on Netflix. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at FromInspiredPod and can be found on Instagram at FromAninspiredBy. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with musician Joe Cardamone about his COVID-inspired album and film, Quarantina. Until then, thanks for listening. Let it, let it